Hi, it's Melissa, and this is House of Content, a podcast that dives into the world of creators, social media, culture, and more. In this week's episode, we're discussing growth in today's social media landscape and how brands and creators can go viral and succeed in 2023. I think, Mel, since you are our bonafide TikTok and social media star, I want to hear your story first. So our talk of the house today, we're talking about growth and best practices and also, I think, worst practices. I have a couple stories on on things that I've done wrong and things that I should have thought about. But Mel, I want to hear your story first. How did you blow up on social? Yeah, so the thing is, I have a confession to make. Uh, I resisted TikTok a lot for the first year or two. And I know it might be hard to believe now since I'm a creator on TikTok. I have a good amount of following and I make content there on a regular basis. And even then I knew it was a place like the place to be. I was telling my clients that they should hop on it. And I really just felt like I, it was about time for me to practice what I preach. So it was uh, July, 2021. Uh, and I was about to have five weeks off from work. We have pretty generous vacations in Finland. So I decided to take that month to explore TikTok. I was like, what else am I going to do with all this time on my hands? So I wanted to learn the platform inside out. And I decided to start posting three times a day. I set myself a goal of 10,000 followers a month. And I was just creating content wherever I was going, like during the during the summer holiday. And, and the thing is like, because I was kind of like forced to make content, I was doing it everywhere. As, as soon as I would get a, some creative inspiration, whether Whether I was running or whether I was a grocery store, I would just film it and post it. And within the first days, I was getting already like tens of thousands of views and I was gathering all the learnings. And within, I believe it was second or third week, I was already getting hundreds of thousands of views. And the thing is, the learning curve on TikTok is so great because the, you can really read into the statistics. Like it gives you all the information that you need. You know how how engaged your followers are. You know how what the audience retention rate is. So it was really easy to actually see what was resonating with the audience and repeat that or, you know, try to do something different to see what, what worked. Yeah, so like uh, I believe it took, actually about around two months for me to get that goal of 10,000 followers. And then I just kept on experimenting, trying different things just to see like how the algorithm algorithm works, what goes viral on TikTok. And that really taught me that it is indeed possible to learn the art of going viral on TikTok. That's so interesting because I had a similar moment where I decided that to teach brands how they can be more like creators, I need to become one myself. But my story was not not as strategic as yours. I didn't decide goals or anything like that. I always say that I accidentally became more popular and I actually started posting from different weddings that we went to because I thought, oh, this is an easy way to start learning how to edit in app. So when we went to friends' weddings, I thought they were beautiful. So I thought, let let me make a compilation video. And the first one that I made went absolutely viral. There's a lot of reasons why people 
thought that it reminded them of the Midsummer movie, which is really funny <laughs> because I'm from Finland and it was right around Midsummer. So I followed up with a video of me with a flower crown and people were going crazy. But uh, it was also because there was a big community for weddings and wedding inspiration. And we had a gazillion weddings that followed. So I kept doing it and then very conveniently got engaged and realized that maybe I should keep sharing my own story. And that led to the growth that I had. And I almost just found the niche that I have now. But yeah, a different different way of growing. But I agree with a lot of the things that you said that you still you have that learning curve and you are encouraged by the engagement that you get and the views that you get. Mm -hmm. And then the more content you make, the less time it takes for you to make that content. Mm -hmm. So it becomes almost like a behavior and part of your day to day. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting that you two have such opposite stories where I know, Mel, your content is very varied and you don't really focus on a single niche, but rather it's almost like this log type storytelling taking on different challenges or trends. And and then Yanni, you're, you very much have this wedding niche. And then for me, I, I'd like to say I'm probably the latest bloomer on TikTok out of the three. And so I was, and I was in that exact same situation where in my previous role, I was overseeing the TikTok strategy for the agency. And I was working with a team of creators and we were setting the strategy. And I was already playing in TikTok and creating all these videos just for our marketing team or just for my friends and just sending them. And then I just bit the bullet and said, I have to go public. I have to start just trying it out. And it's been a lot of experimentation and and trying out different trends and and but what I find challenging now is and and it's starting to shape up I I do want to pick a niche and go with that niche and see how I can grow there but I I think the algorithm is not as gracious to new creators as it was maybe even even a year ago and I, and I see and I know that I'm hitting the right SEO terms for example because when you go in the in the upper search bar on on my videos I most of the time I am able to get the topic that I want so I know that I'm ha- using the right keywords but at the same time the views have been in the gutter lately I don't know if you two have seen the same thing I think that that is something that a lot of creators are struggling with and part of that can be tracked back to changes in the algorithm. But I am curious because you mentioned uh, niche versus no niche. I'm curious how both of you feel about this. Do you think that a niche or do you think that having a niche is the key to success on TikTok or other social media platforms right now? That's a really good question. I think for me, a niche is really key if you want to become an expert around a topic, especially if you're using TikTok, say, professionally, then I think you do have to stay more around that. But then there's the other side of it where these sort of jack of all trades influencers like I don't know, I want to say Alex Earl, like those types of people, if there is enough interest in their persona, then they have more freedom to play around with showing all these different facets of their life and trying out different things. But I think for me personally, the right way to go is to pick a niche. And I think even for our own podcast, right, our podcast account, our videos and our content needs to stay in the realm of what our show is about, right? 
The way that I see it is that a niche is very helpful because the value for the fans or the followers is very clear. So when they see a singular video out in the void uh, of content, so probably on their FYP, they may look at your profile and they will instantly see if that's something that they would be interested in long term. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the reason why you start to grow faster because the value there is clear and they know what to expect from you. That's something that I definitely experienced um, talking about weddings. I instantly got a huge following of either brides-to-be or recent brides or just people that are aspiring to be brides. But I do think that those that are able to make themselves the niche will reap the biggest audiences. But that's obviously a really hard thing to do and something that happens more long term. I think male is one of those and, people. Yeah, that's what I, I wanted to like share some of my thoughts because I have... Uh, chosen not to have a niche on TikTok because I feel like it's it feels like for me it blocks my creativity and I don't want to just be just in one niche because I don't know what I want to be doing next you know maybe right now like I've been doing like so many different kind of contests like there might be months that I'm just doing this like relationship like couple humor and skits and then on another month I'm like I want to show people like different kind of restaurants in Helsinki and give some tips and then I'm doing that and then another month Month, I'm, you know, I'm doing a DNA test and like, I'm really like amazed 200% by my results. Finish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you know, I'm sharing that to the world and everybody's like, how is this possible? And then the entire month I make content about DNA results and genetics in Finland and, and Vikings and all that. So it's like, <laughs> I feel like it, it, at the same time, it, it gives me the freedom to do content about whatever, but at the same time, it can be difficult to sometimes be like, okay, what am I going to be doing content about now? Like, uh, because I don't have any clear niche and I've had a clear niche in the, in back in the day when I was doing YouTube, like a few years ago, I had a really clear niche and it really worked for my benefit. I was making video like, videos for Brazilian audience about cultural <laughs> differences and about, you know, my experience as a Finnish person in Brazil and how I view or how foreigners view Brazil. So that was a very specific niche and that really mm -hmm. allowed me to grow so I do believe, like I would advise all new creators and brands to have a clear niche because it makes it so much more easier for other people to follow. And I only like follow people with a strong niche, but I just don't <laughs> want to have one of my own. So to summarize, would our recommendation be that if you are just starting out and also want to establish yourself, whether you're a brand or a creator, there's a lot of benefits to a niche because it gives you efficiencies in strategy and consistency in creating content and establishing who you are, whether that's about tone of voice or just the persona that you embody. Aside from content strategy and selecting your topics or, and your niche, what are some of the very practical guidelines that you're giving to your clients right now when it, when it comes to, for example, how many posts you need to be doing a day or a week or how are you approaching your SEO strategy and, and trending audio? Like kind of what are the best practices that you live by right now, both for yourselves and your clients? I always like to say that creators are setting the bar for quant and that can be really hard for brands to keep up with. So 
I think to get to a number for a specific brand, you have to examine how much content are you able to make consistently. I don't think it should be a set number, but you should be able to stick to that number. So that mm-hmm. becomes more important than the number itself from my perspective. For sure. And I would definitely say quality over quantity. Uh, it doesn't have to be like high production or anything, but your all your videos should bring some kind of value to the viewer. So it has to have something that is actually interesting. Either it's inspiring or it's entertaining or it's educational. Like there's some kind of value that the viewer is getting. So I would definitely like mm-hmm. agree with Yanni that it's it's not so much about the number, but like what are you actually able to make with the resources that you have effectively? What I've noticed too is... When I post personally, and I think I might have seen this on our own on our podcast account too, is that if I post in the morning or if I post virtually anytime before 6 or 7 p.m., the difference between views is sometimes in the thousands. And so a very similar piece of content might get a couple hundred views for me if I post it in the morning. But if I post in the evening, I can do 2,000, you know, up to 6,000 views. Have, have you seen that with your, uh, your videos as well? The thing is, I usually only post in the evenings. I've tested a lot with different times. I've tested posting in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening of like where my, where my target audience is. And I saw that most videos that I would be posting in the evening would be the ones going viral. However, mm-hmm. the latest studies claim that it's not about the time, that it doesn't really matter that much, that it's it's just mostly about the content. And like the reason one once also stated that the sounds and hashtags aren't that important, that like everything is about the content and the audience retention. Like how long mm-hmm. is the viewer actually watching the video? And that is much more important and and how much is your audience engaging with the video how much are they commenting liking sharing so i would say those play a lot bigger role than what time you're posting or what sound you're using on your video Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on that note there are best practices like hashtags or looking at the time right we've talked a lot about best practices but the question that's on my mind is Is there a secret ingredient to going viral? When I started creating content, I had a niche, but I was still experimenting with different types of ideas. And it wasn't until I found a content series that consistently went viral, pretty much no matter what I did, that I saw the most growth. And I think that posting time may have had, you know, some benefits, but it was more the format of the idea and the series that made Mm -hmm. people want to not only follow me, but expect the next version or next video in the series to drop. Mm -hmm. And just to summarize, the idea was this. I was holding my hand in a way where you couldn't see my nails. There was a music that had anticipation. So you had to wait for me to reveal the nails. And I had said that I would be testing different wedding nails all the way up until my wedding, which was a full eight months away. And some people found that crazy, but I'm a little bit salty about the fact that Mm -hmm. people didn't realize that I wasn't necessarily so vain that I would do it 
only because of that. I was already doing my nails Mm -hmm. every month, but I just decided to start testing wedding nail designs instead Mm -hmm. of just going wild with the designs or just choose something completely different. So that's a disclaimer. I wanted to clear that up. This is more about how the series was something that really blew up. And when we launched our podcast, Christine, you told me that someone that you know... Mm -hmm already knows me because of these videos. So my for, yeah, my former marketing manager all the way from Singapore commented on our LinkedIn post and said, hey, I know you. <laughs> yeah. And that's the crazy thing for me. So the question is, do you think that there are secret ingredients like that? For me, having a reoccurring series that has specific hooks mm-hmm. is one of them. But are there other ones? Well, I would say that anything that is kind of new to the platform that no one is either showing or talking about or it's just something that evokes emotion you know like if you're just you know if you're just doing like a regular outfit video you know like it's most likely not gonna go viral if you go kind of like beyond that and maybe you're you know you're doing like an outfit video in the desert or something like that that there's like that surprising factor uh it has the viral potential like if you look at my viral videos and by viral uh, I now mean like anything that has over 1 million views most of them are around relationship skits and they're like Mm -hmm. original skits nothing that I haven't seen online even though I've also repeated some skits that I've seen and then I've kind of like recreated that but the ones that actually went viral are something that I just saw happening in my own life and I wanted to just record that on a video and post it like it was like one take like it would take like one minute for me to make the video and we posted so it was like very raw and like <laughs> the acting was not necessarily the, the you know Oscar worthy but like people really loved that because it was something they hadn't seen before but they really resonated with and then I've gone viral posting a picture of an old man walking a cat uh, in a snowy Helsinki or like you know the DNA video so it's it's like all those videos had something new that people hadn't really seen yet so I feel like that's definitely one of the one of the main ingredients Mm -hmm. at least I love that because I always say that the WTF image is also what works when we're thinking about earned media-driven ideas uh, at work. So it's almost the same thing for content that you want to do something that feels unexpected, but could be repeatable for others Mm -hmm. because that's where parts of the virality come from, that they find your content original and unexpected and maybe funny, but people join in on it in some way. On that note, I think it's so nice to see whenever creators are finding success and going viral with original content. Like there's this guy called Octopus Lover, I believe. And he does these really insane videos where he does reactions, like, for example, a color's reaction reaction to not being chosen to be part of the rainbow officially. Like, they're really, really out there. And then on the flip side of that, I have a bone to pick with TikTok with CapCut templates because... And I think this is maybe winding down a little bit, but I feel like for the past couple of months, it doesn't almost matter if you do other types of content, but if it's not a CapCut template, you're not going to be seeing that on the For You page. And I feel like it's making everything really homogenous. And there is like maybe the joy of like participating in a trend and doing a really smart and clever take on it and adding something new to it. But I think that if you're pushing certain templates in the algorithm, that's kind of stifling creativity for me. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. I think that 
only participating in trends, whether you're a creator or a brand, is not great for growth long term. Mm -hmm. I think you can get quick wins with that. But if you want to actually build an audience, I don't think that's necessarily the way to do it. Mm -hmm. But I can see what you mean, because in the past few months, that's all I've seen on my For You page. It's very cut, relatable joke type of content from whoever's point of view. And it's not necessarily tapping into that value piece that I think it gives someone a reason to follow. I, I also have a theory why TikTok has been doing it, right? Because their user growth has kind of leveled out. It's not as explosive anymore. And what they need is a highly engaged, active user base to start monetizing against. And it's the same playbook that Facebook did, Instagram did in the beginning with ads, is that you need to have an audience that's there, that's active, that's posting, and then you can monetize with with ads and, and brands against that. And so with CapCut templates, they're... they're removing that obstacle of, okay, what am I going to post? I don't have any ideas. I'm not creative or or I don't know how to get started. It's really like making it for the average Joe really easy to post content and get that instant gratification of like, wow, it got likes, it got views. But on the flip side of that, it's not really doing any good to the creator community and to the people who want to be putting that time in, in creating original content. So that's my hot take. And it's not really that easy to go viral using those templates. Sure, it's easy to create content using the templates, but then again, there's so many people participating in those because it's just so easy. So that's why like it can seem like the easy way to go about it. But like Yanni said, like that's not really guaranteed to bring you any growth. I would say what guarantees you the most growth on TikTok or any social platform whatsoever is providing your audience with original content. And even TikTok is now pushing like longer video formats. They actually deleted the option to post 10 minute videos. I don't know if you saw that, but it was there for like a month and now it's mm -hmm. removed again. So it seems like they don't want to go that long format video, but they're still pushing like, uh, like most of the video content I get is actually maybe around 30 seconds to a minute and and that's like longer videos are now getting more views and engagement as mm -hmm. well like tiktok is pushing that because they want people to stay on the platform which is not necessarily guaranteed if the if the videos are only like five second ten second long so i would definitely recommend anyone uh like starting to create content whether it's brand or a creator to make longer like experiment with different kind of format. You can try these different trends and then you can do longer videos uh, up to a minute or even three minutes where you're kind of like giving more context to, you know, whatever your niche is about. Moving beyond TikTok, are, are you on Lemonade? Yes. I'm just there following Yanni. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided that for my w work at an agency, as well as as a creator, it's important to start testing whatever the new app is that comes out. So I joined Lemon 8 as soon as I saw that on TikTok. And it is a an app owned by ByteDance that owns... TikTok as well. So it's really interesting to see how they are expanding to other apps 
that directly support TikTok, like mm-hmm. you said um, about CapCut, or to other apps. Lemonade is a direct cousin of another app from China, and I find it very enjoyable to use. It's almost a blend of Pinterest and some of TikTok's newer formats that lean heavier on images and carousels. And it is very specific in the ways that you are encouraged to provide value and tips and things like that. So I've jumped on it. I haven't seen a lot of just yet because I haven't had a lot of time to dedicate to creating content, but I really enjoy it. It's beautiful. And I think what's different from TikTok too, that it, it has very specific categories that you need to fall under. And it's very Pinteresty, very lifestyle topics you'll have. I think it's like fashion and food and, and travel. And it's, it's very much that aesthetic visual inspiration, whereas I would say TikTok is a lot more chaotic in its nature and unpredictable and funny and raw. So I think those are the two main differences. But this is definitely the time to get on board and start scaling your content efforts there just because it is bubbling under still, at least from from what we know. There's a lot of questions around, you know, what does it mean considering that there is a legal situationship going on with TikTok and Lemonade is also owned by ByteDance. So from a brand perspective, that's a bit more the question, but I would encourage brands and creators to at least grab their handle so they have it and at least follow what's happening if you're not yet uh, producing content for the channel. I agree with that. And I believe that the reason why Lemonade is growing in popularity and people are kind of like jumping on there is also because of the the pace like it's it's a lot calmer way of going through content i feel like like all the different social media platforms are about like short form video and it's like christine said very chaotic i feel like when i go to lemonade it's like i can actually just take my time look at the images they're not going forward without me actually swiping to go forward Mm -hmm. and even though I guess you can also post videos there. I haven't seen that many videos on my Mm -hmm. feed. So it's just basically still images and I can just relax there. So I find scrolling through Lemonade a lot more relaxing than TikTok, which I really like. And I feel like a lot of people might be feeling the same. I think for a brand, if you haven't mastered your TikTok strategy yet. And I think just coming from that experience of at Paradigital, my previous agency, where we actually saw that most of the incremental revenue, incremental sales, so meaning shoppers or or consumers that you would not have converted otherwise would actually come from TikTok, meaning it was an opportunity channel for a lot of e-com driven brands and creating new revenue streams for them. So if you're a brand that's relying on growth from digital, I I think I would definitely master both organic TikTok and then your paid TikTok strategy too for customer acquisition before if you don't have the resources to then also add in lemonade. But having said that, if you do have the resources, and especially if you're a, let's say a fashion brand, an apparel brand, the content that you're already creating for Instagram, I think a lot of that imagery, those beautiful grid photos can really serve as lemonade pictures too that's my that's my two cents on it that's such a good 
point because sometimes you don't think about the production side. I think if you're not an apparel or fashion or maybe a food or beauty brand, it may be hard for you to even produce that type of content that mm-hmm. would perform well on Lemonade. But there is an interesting opportunity to really tap into UGC or start commissioning image-based UGC content mm-hmm. to be used in that platform almost like repurposed. There's a whole creator community that's growing really fast um, of these creators calling themselves as UGC creators. And I think that if we see Lemon 8 really growing, that community of UGC creators will see a lot of growth. And I think there are brands that haven't yet mastered Pinterest. Mm-hmm. So thinking about how you can use the same base content, which would be very aesthetically pleasing imagery in different ways across the de- these different platforms is interesting. I think most brands have a process problem. They haven't mastered really the work process and workflow of showing up on social overall. They might have it nailed down, for example, when it comes, especially if you're a brand in the in the fashion or beauty space, you know by now how to run your your let's say your Instagram account and you know how to create ongoing content for for example A B testing and your paid advertising campaigns. But I would argue that most brands are not thinking about a scalable framework that allows for you to experiment and bring new social media platforms on board. And it's much like in the early days of social media coming on board and even digital coming on board as a new channel. You know, when I when I got got my start in advertising the the golden goose was still the TV ad, the radio spot, the the out of home. So it's really it's in the big, you know, big picture. These things are still very new. And I think brands should be looking at change management on how they're rethinking their processes and also rethinking the roles that they have in their marketing organization if they want to be successful. That's a very hot take that I immediately will get behind because you if you look at how creators are running their content and how brands are running their content, it's night and day because creators Mm -hmm. are the creators and the project managers and the community managers all in one. Obviously, once they grow, they might need help with that. But then on the brand side, every piece of it is siloed and you have different people responsible for different pieces of the puzzle and to your point process and setting up the right machine is extremely important and working at an agency I also talk a lot about how your influencer strategy might be very removed from your content strategy because you might have different agencies handling influencers Mm -hmm. and another agency handling brand and a third agency handling your social work. But that is very inefficient and will not set you up for success when you're needing to scale or increase your content quantity Mm -hmm. um, or to your point, jump into new platforms. And I would argue that 95% of brands still undermine social media and aren't investing enough on social media, uh, relying more on the traditional media. So that's also another thing. I feel like 
many brand executives still don't see the value of social media. And that's why they're kind of like lagging behind of it. And that's why creators are taking the space. That's why small businesses are taking that space because they're a lot more agile. Like if you could, if we could just acknowledge the the success that small businesses have been taking on TikTok, for instance, it's crazy. Like uh, that's how, like there are so many businesses that have solely built their entire consumer bases using social media without any traditional advertising at all. Do you think that part of their fast growth and them being able to do it is that the founders and the people really working on the business are the ones that are creating the content. So people are much closer to these very authentic stories, whereas the bigger the company, mm-hmm. the the less the odds that you would even have the founder mm-hmm. on your TikTok explaining the products or the, the stories or the journeys that I, the company has taken. I think it's because small companies don't have legal departments to go through. That's, this, that's the secret <laughs> to success. <laughs> yeah. And also they have to be very creative in their marketing uh, strategics because it's like if you don't have that much money to put on tv ads and all that like ads ad spend like you know what are you gonna do like you have to be creative and you have to make the most of what you've got and this is the perfect time and age to be doing that because there are so many platforms that like the algorithm is really like still on your side and it's i would argue still that it's still friend. not like oversaturated yeah it's not oversaturated uh, yet so i would say like to anyone who is still thinking of like should i should i do it should i not like you should do it and you should also like you know jump on tiktok jump on lemonade and also keep your eyes on any new platforms that are out there because like maybe maybe in five years nobody even remembers TikTok anymore and there's something mm-hmm. completely different. And we also know that the more the platforms mature, the more they become pay to play. Mm-hmm. And that makes it harder for brands, small businesses especially, to get those quick wins when the platform starts to favor paid over organic. To sum it all up, the, the biggest mistake you can do on social media is not getting on it and not trialing it. Personally, for me, one of the things, if I look back at Brandside, the previous podcast that I used to host, I was relying really heavily and maybe getting a little bit lazy with the fact that the company that I was creating that for had a really wide follower base already and also had a a large CRM. So I could rely a lot on our own website and on email marketing to reach people and to and to get listeners. And it works super well. But if I if I would get a redo, I would definitely go back and add in short form video and really scale the content side of promoting that podcast. It probably could have could have even reached higher. But closing out, we and and changing topics a little bit, we do have a click through rage topic of the week. And this is something that I got really, really annoyed about when I saw so I uh, or or heard. So I was listening to the Morning Toast and they had Paige the Sorbo on. She's a creator, but she's also um, one of the stars of Bravo's Summer House. And she was talking with the host how she and actually both, uh, both the hosts, um, uh, Claudia and her had gotten sued separately by these lawyer firms that go through Instagram to find sellers 
celebs and creators with large followings who, let's say they've posted a celebrity image, uh, and, and I think in this case it was Sophie Turner who was pregnant, and they were discussing the, you know, the pregnancy and, and uh, that story in the news, and it was owned by a paparazzi that then becomes the client of this lawyer firm and they're suing these people to get money out of them. And I don't know, it's just like, it really irks me. It really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, we talked about lawyers briefly, but (laughs) this is a huge gray area in general in social. What is allowed and what is not. So part of growth, because that is the topic that we we have today, I think this connects to it because the brands that have been able to grow are taking more risks like this, mm-hmm. but we are seeing more people looking at opportunities to take legal action. And I think you're right that the rage comes from people just being more money hungry than mm-hmm. maybe seeing something extremely bad. Don't get me wrong, there definitely needs to be limits to copyright and the people that own rights need to get compensated. But it is a really big gray area because a lot of people also benefit from content that gets used more broadly. And so where that gets dicey is you want it in some cases, but not others. Mm-hmm. And that creates the the challenge of how do you how do you look at it from a legal perspective but yeah this this is this gives me gray hair every day yeah and i'm pretty sure that this is going to be the year there's going to be even more like laws and like uh like rules and regulations applied uh for these like copyrights uh of different content because it's still it is really gray area even on tiktok like how people use different sounds and how brands are using sounds that are for example made by a creator and then they use that on their ads and Mm -hmm. without paying anything to the creator i feel like that is something that you see happen every day and i'm I'm pretty sure that there's going to be like major changes in that mm. in this year. I just don't and want it's... Pedro Pascal to go away. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I right? <laughs> and I was going to say that, you know, then on the other hand, you see artists like Snoop Dogg mm-hmm. release their full album for people to use. So there is a positive side in people giving music new life Mm -hmm. so it's interesting to see which sides artists creatives creators friends take on this but to mel's point i think legal is going to start setting stricter and more clear rules rules around this Mm -hmm. and why those don't exist yet is because these platforms are developing so fast that I think legal cannot fully keep up. So Mm -hmm. whenever there's a larger case that gets solved one way or the other, that sort of sets the limit um, for others. And that's how it keeps building up. I think copyrights need to, the the laws need to evolve because Art and pop culture is derivative and it's always been. It's not just in the internet era. I'm thinking like the time of the Impressionists. There was a first artist or painter that started that style and everybody else copied that and they didn't have to pay royalties to the original creator, right? And so I think there's something something to be said in, I understand that you cannot use somebody else's work to sell something else and, and profit 
on that work crazily. But if you're, for example, if you're a pop culture podcaster, I think you should be able to comment on something happening in the pop culture without risking to get sued because she showed a picture in stories. To me, that's ridiculous. Yeah, agreed. And I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna get really challenging. Also, when you put you take AI in the picture. I actually saw yesterday, there's this TikTok user, Ghostwriter977, that created this song using AI to make Drake feed The weekend, And he has already published that on different platforms, on his website or wherever. And Mm -hmm. that video has gotten 6.8 million views in just Mm -hmm. one day. And everybody's just saying they're like, this is like too crazy. And like, uh, like first AI song that has actually impressed me. And like, this is going to be the future. The fact that AI could take over as the future of music is scary. So I'm like, what about the copyrights with that? Like, I'm pretty sure that that song is going to be taken down. Hmm. But I don't know. What are what are your thoughts? It's really tough because like if I may if I do an impression of let's say Emrata and I post it online, does she have the rights to my impression? Because AI in like many ways it's an impression of a Drake a weekend song mashed together. But it can be like a really like a authentic impression so it actually like the song actually sounded like there mm-hmm. was drake and weekend singing and there actually like i saw on tiktok yesterday as well this mother was sharing a story about how uh somebody had called her saying that he had kidnapped her daughter and like she could hear the daughter on the background <gasps> yelling and like asking for help and, and it was a deep fake. that and it was a deep fake yeah like turned out the daughter was just in the bedroom she was like hey like what what's up mom like wh- what are you doing and it was and she said it was exactly the same as her daughter's voice so there are definitely going to be like similar cases popping up now mm-hmm. now that the use of AI is expanding and we're going to be seeing that in the next few months for sure like people are going to be and, using them to yeah many different situations. And yet we still don't have AI where I can just pu- push a button and our podcast gets edited. It's still a very much a manual <laughs> process. But I I, I I digress. And the videos. <laughs> we're very advanced and, and we're we're falling behind where we actually need AI. In any case This concludes our conversation around growth and going viral in 2023. And as usual, if you like this episode, what really helps is send this to your coworker, send this to a friend who works in social media, maybe share on your socials if you're really a fan of the podcast. And remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts on Spotify, on Apple, and give us a little five stars, maybe even write a little review. And until next time, this is House of Content. (laughs) 